You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to What's New with Wired. It's Thursday, January 19th. I'm Zeke Robison. Today we're talking about why it's getting trickier to keep snow on the slopes for some ski resorts. Make sure to listen to the end to find out what other Wired podcasts you can check out today. For dozens of alpine ski resorts, this past Christmas and New Year's season has been a literal washout. Very little snow fell in December. Then rain arrived, wiping many slopes back to green and brown turf. Frustrated skiers googled the forecasts, glimpsed snowless mountainsides on live video feeds, and canceled their bookings. Dozens of pistes and even some entire resorts remained closed as 2023 dawned. Among those that soldiered on was Lox in the Swiss Alps, about 60 kilometers from the Italian border. The resort, with roughly 200 kilometers of ski runs, has been planning for snow shortages like this for some time. An arsenal of snow guns came to the rescue. Huge snowmaking machines, some mounted on towers, sprayed Lox's hillsides with artificial snow all through the night in late December. With the necessary water delivered to some of the resort's higher altitudes via a special pipe installed last summer. Lox has 430 snow machines, some of which are mobile, at times, all of them were running simultaneously, explains Corson Klopath, head of peace at the resort. I am happy with the guns, he says, but we need more. There's a big question over whether it's viable to rely on snow machines in the long term, especially since rising global temperatures are expected to threaten more ski resorts in years to come. Snowmaking requires a lot of energy, which makes upping use of the devices controversial and expensive. A 2011 review of Swedish snowmaking found that the amount of electricity required to make just two meters cubed of artificial snow was on average equivalent to what a typical British household would use in a day. Klopath says Lox uses 100% renewable energy, but it still has to pay for that. Artificial snow is also different from the real thing. The guns blast water droplets into the cold air which freeze. Moisture in the atmosphere then condenses and freezes around those droplets, growing the snow particles. This yields a particularly compact covering of snow, which experienced skiers can distinguish from the real thing, though Klopath says the attributes of artificial snow came in handy in recent weeks. The rain tended to trickle off the compact surface rather than penetrate into the snow and melt it. A bigger long-term issue is that snow guns can't just be turned on whenever you want, 
they need the right operating conditions. Unsuitable weather meant that there was only a short time over Christmas during which it was cold and dry enough to run the contraptions, Clopath notes. Poor snowfall at Christmas is far from unheard of in the Swiss Alps, but it's the noticeably warm temperatures and lack of suitable snowmaking periods that are really challenging resorts now, he says. We had two really good weeks to produce the snow, and after that it was too warm. In the end, Lox managed to cover around a third of its pistes with artificial snow. Natural snow, present only at higher latitudes at first, eventually began falling and settling on the lower slopes, too. Ted Shepard, a climate scientist at the University of Reading in the UK, knows what it's like to arrive at a ski resort only to find that the snow is holidaying elsewhere. This Christmas, he went to Switzerland with his wife and her family. She always likes to go skiing, but we couldn't, really, he says. Recalling one resort where skiing was possible at higher altitudes, but people were queuing for 45 minutes either to get the cable car up to the slopes or down again once they'd finished their runs. It's just getting worse and worse, he says of climate change's impact on European skiing. In the face of the warm winter season, it's time for the ski tourism industry to take climate change seriously, says Rob Stewart of Ski Press, a PR firm. These kinds of unusual weather events seem to be happening more regularly, he says, recalling how he used to climb and walk on certain glaciers 25 years ago that have since been hit by rising temperatures. They're not just melting, they're gone, he says. And although he admits that the skiing community has perhaps been a bit head in the sand about climate change in the past, he argues this has changed, and that resorts have little option but to adapt to the changing world in which they operate. But given snowmaking's need for optimal conditions and sizable costs, relying on snow guns isn't necessarily the way forward. Shepard points out that in addition to being energy-hungry, artificial snow requires significant amounts of water, a resource that is expected to become scarcer. Plus, there is the sheer cost of running hundreds or even thousands of these machines. Despite recent energy price hikes in Europe, Stewart says ski destinations he has asked about this have not reported financial difficulties associated with snowmaking. Klopath adds that Lox was protected from bill shock thanks to a long-term contract with the resort's supplier, which fixes its energy tariffs until 2024. We are hopeful that when we have to buy in 2024, that the prices are going down, he says. Other ski resorts, though, are unable to call on Lox's armies of snowmaking machines, and so are adapting in other ways. Pays de Gex in the French Jura Mountains has suffered at altitudes lower than 1,700 meters in recent weeks. Lacking the white stuff, it instead offered travelers mountain biking, paragliding, pony trails, and two new activities, a toboggan on rails, and a huge zip line. I think it's the future of this mountain, says Bruno Borda, director of the tourist office, suggesting that the resort will have to get used to offering a range of alternatives when skiing isn't possible. He notes that Pays de Gex has snowmaking machines, but that conditions don't always favor their use. The other solution is simply to ski elsewhere. While the Alps have been tested over the past month or so, there has been very good snow at skiing locations in Norway, Japan, and parts of North America, notes Stewart. In fact, some ski resorts that tend to be especially cold this time of year might actually get more snow in the future, argue Shepard. The sweet spot for snowfall is in the minus 10 to minus 1 degrees Celsius range, and warming temperatures may move new areas into this window. You either move up the mountain to get to lower temperatures or you move north, Shepard says. The signs that skiing is changing are everywhere, no matter where you look. Even the frequent flying and conspicuous consumption that have, rightly or wrongly, been a stereotype of the pastime might melt away as the industry strives to remain culturally acceptable in the Anthropocene, Shepard suggests.
It could mean a new outlook on nature and how we revel in it. And ski resorts, no matter the depth of their pockets or the size of their snow cannons, cannot hold back rising tides. As Shepard puts it, just trying to fight the weather, I think, is going to be a losing battle. Make sure to check out our other Wired podcasts. Today in Wired Business, we look at how the FAA outage highlights an essential system everyone hates. Checking in on Wired Science, your nose is to blame for why you get sick in the winter. And on Wired Security, spy cams reveal the grim reality of slaughterhouse gas chambers. Listen to these stories and more at wired.com podcasts. Thanks for listening to Wired. Check back in tomorrow to hear more stories from wired.com. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.